Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. We pray that you will speak to us where we are at. We pray that your word will help us as we navigate life so that we may have fruitful and productive lives. We thank you for your son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, for making it possible for us to be here. I pray you guide my words and my thoughts, that they will bring glory to you, and that they will be your words and bring blessing to your people. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. It's good to see you again this morning. Uh, the title of the message, the way I've titled it this morning, slightly unusual. I've titled it More Than Conquerors. And um, this is directed primarily to believers, but more than conquerors. And I have the, main, the subtext is understanding Satan's strategy and how to defeat him. So, more than conquerors, understanding Satan's strategy and how, or strategies and how to defeat him. Um, I'm sure that the word or the name Satan is not very common. In fact, he has been so caricatured, so much so, by artists, by authors, by comedians, that most people don't believe that the devil exists. And, um, or if they do believe he exists, they don't take him seriously. <clears throat> For example, the English novelist Samuel Butler wrote, it must be remembered that we have heard only one side of the case. God has written all the books, so we don't really know whether it's right. And Mark Twain wrote, we may not pay Satan reverence, for that would be indiscreet, but we can at least respect his talents. And a popular television comedian always gets a laugh when he says, the devil has made me do it. And so, for the most part, in the world that we live today, most don't believe he exists. And if they believe, they don't take him seriously. Um, but the Bible is the ultimate book of truth. And so we have to take what the Bible says seriously. In fact, a few thoughts here. In the scripture, Jesus spoke about Satan and called him a murderer and the father of lies. He called him the evil one. He called him the prince of this world. Paul and John also called him the evil one. And Paul said Satan was the god of this age, the ruler of the world system, and the leader of demonic forces. 
In short, Satan is no pushover, and God's people must be careful not to give him a foothold in their lives. That's why we have to study the Bible and see what it has to say. Uh, the message came to me as I see so many things happening in the lives of so many people, and I'm troubled somewhat because I think even as believers, we have failed to recognize that he exists. Apostle Paul, writing to the people of Corinth, said, lest the devil takes advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And uh, writing again to the Corinthians, he says, for I fear as the serpent deceived Eve in the wilderness, that your heart might be taken away, or your mind might be taken away from the devotion to Christ. And so that's why I come and I'm trying to unfold this morning some of the primary strategies of the devil and how we can defeat them. The goal is not to scare you or anything like that, but this goal is to make you aware. Now, if you come from my part of the world, every problem is caused by the devil. And it's true to some extent. You come to North America, we swing to the other extreme. It doesn't even exist. I'm the master of my own destiny. I decide everything. And the devil doesn't exist. It's almost like it's blacking out from the scriptures, even among believers. But there's a lot to be learned. And I start off by saying that if you are not a believer, you are already in the camp of the devil. It is very simple. You might not like hearing that. And I'm hoping today you'll be translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's the goal. So if you are not a Christian or a believer, you're already hooked. But if you are a believer, you can fall prey to some of his strategies. And that's why I like to study the scriptures with you. There will be lots of reading this morning. Hopefully we'll put them up. And I will end, I end the message next time I'm up here. So I'm starting today with the message. And to make it simple, I am going to use four people that had an encounter with the devil. Four people that had an encounter with the devil as recorded in the scriptures. A lady, a king, a successful young man, and a priest. So those are the four people. Today, hopefully, we'll deal with a lady and a successful young man. That's the plan. Next time, we'll deal with the priest and the king. Four people that had encounter with the devil. And we will look at it look, using four points. What was Satan targeting in their life? What was the purpose of his target? And what instrument did he use? And how can we conquer him? So those are the four outlines. So in each of these cases, 
what was the target in their life that the enemy targeted, what purpose, what instrument did he use, and how can we overcome him? Now, let's begin by going, if you don't mind, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I think Matt is putting it up there because I like to read it with you. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the trees which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. You know the rest of the story. So in Genesis chapter 3, we encounter a woman by the name Eve, the very first woman that was created. And the devil showed up, in a deceitful way, through one of the, using uh, one of the creatures, if you like, as an agent, and then had a conversation with the lady. Her name is Eve. So he came as a serpent using one of the beasts of the field. He did not come as an enemy. That's the first thing we need to note. He came as a friend. He came as one that cared for her well-being and spoke to her. So, nothing wrong with that, you will say. Satan did three things when he showed up as he was speaking to Eve. The first thing he did is that he questioned God's word. Has God said, Indeed, has God said, yea, as God said, that you will not eat. So he questioned God's word. And the woman said, yeah, God has said. That's the first thing he did. The second thing that he did, that we find that in verse 1, is that he denied God's word. In verse 4, he says, you surely will not die. But God had said, the day you eat, you will die. 
And Satan said, surely you will not die. So he denied God's word. And the third thing he did is that he substituted his own words or his own lies for God's word. You shall be like God. That's verse 5. So I want you to know that. He came as a friend, one that cares, and he questioned God's word. Has God said? And then he denied God's word. You shall not die. And then he added his own word, which was a lie. You will be like God. Who will not fall for that? You are given the best package. By the time you do what God has said you shouldn't do, you are going to be like God. Who needs God? And the woman fell for it. And let's see what Eve did. She did something. So that's Satan, what Satan did. She, uh, well, let's, let's stick with at least the lady a little bit. She listened to the question. She got the denial. And she had no choice but to accept what Satan said. Now, it is worth noting, before I stop, that this is the lie that is ruling the world today. You will be like God. Man is like God. Who needs God? So I, at least it's worth nothing that that's the lie that is ruling the world today. So what did Eve do? Here I'd like you to read with me again Genesis chapter 1 or chapter 3. The first thing Eve did when Satan showed up And spoke to her is that she took away from God's word. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat. That's not all that God said. If you move your eye to Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. Let's read what God said. Then the Lord, verse 16, or verse 15, sorry. Oh, 16, so for sake of time. Then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may do what? Eat. There's another word there. Freely. Freely. So she said, we may eat. But he said, you may eat what? Freely, abundantly. You are free to eat from any tree. So he said, well, God said, we may eat. God, so she took away from God's word. That's the first thing she did. The second thing that Eve did is that she added to God's word. And again, Genesis chapter Two, it says, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. That's what God said. 
But if, what did Eve say to Satan? I'm looking for my notes here. He said, we should not do what? Eat or touch. The Lord never said don't touch. Even though it was, I believe it would have been wrong, but he said, you shall not eat. So she added to God's word. Freely eat talks about the grace of God, the graciousness of God. Not being allowed to touch is almost like the judgment of God. God is hard. He doesn't even allow us to touch it. But that's not what God said. And then the third thing she did is that she changed God's word. God said in verse 26 again, it says, the day you touch it, or the day you eat it, you will what? Surely die. Surely. Certain it will happen. And then she said, lest ye die. Surely and lest ye die are not the same. Surely means it is certain. So she changed God's word. And of course, you know what happened next. She looked again. She saw it. She took it. She ate it. And she disobeyed God. And you know the rest of the story. Now, what was Satan targeting when he spoke to Eve? What was the target? Here, I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. What was Satan's target? There's a commentary on what he did. Chapter 11, verse 3. Paul writes, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He was targeting her mind. All of us have minds, I believe. I'm sure you're not mindless. You have mind. You know, she was, he was targeting her mind. And what was the weapon that he used? The weapon, if you like, was what? Lies. He used lies to target her mind. Has God said, you will not die, you will be like God. So he used lies to target her. And what was the intention? To make her ignorant of God's word, of God's will. I'm afraid not much has changed in the world today. He targeted her mind, he used lies, and he wanted her to be ignorant of God's word. So, that's the way he operated. And because we all have minds, we can be deceived. That's what Paul wrote. He says, I'm afraid as Satan deceived Eve in the wilderness your minds will be led astray. That's what we read in 2 Corinthians. So all of us can be led astray 
believers included. This epistle, what I just read, the, the commentary from 2 Corinthians was written to believers, not to unbelievers. That's what Paul wrote. So, I'd like to let you know that once we question the word of God, when we take the Bible and then we begin to question it, we begin to pick and choose, add to the word of God, we are on dangerous territory. And that's why we need the word. Stay focused on the word because God's word is truth. There's a lot in the world that is lies out there, and Satan uses it, but the word of God is true. Once we begin to add, subtract, change, ignore, or tamper with the word, we are in dangerous territory. Have you met Christians that question the Bible? Oh, that was for those people. You know, it was for the ancient people. It's not for us. We are just too advanced or too sophisticated you know, to go into that. Or God didn't really mean what he said. I have met Christians like that. They question the word of God. And I'd like to suggest to you that strategy worked on Eve and is still working today actively. Now, in fact, you can almost deduce where a person is heading or who is leading by the attitude he has towards the word of God. By the way he treats the word. So we cannot add to the word because that's dangerous. Satan's target was Eve's mind. Satan's weapon was lie. His purpose was to make her ignorant of God's word. And you see, God's word reveals the will of God. It reveals what God wants. In the word of God, we can find the will of God. The will for marriage, the way we are supposed to conduct ourselves, as families, without knowing the will of God, from the word of God, you will be executing the will of Satan. That's why we need the will of God from the word. The attitude towards the word is important. Um, there are so many lies in our world today, in the values embraced by the world, in the lifestyle that the world espouses and esteems, that if we are not careful, we can embrace them. Sometimes we get confused sometimes, and I hear people say things like, you know, we are Canadians, and we have Canadian values. Some of them line up with the world. Some don't. And if they don't line up with the world, reject it. It doesn't matter if that's what the populace says. Check it out against the world. Okay, Canadians don't get annoyed. Nigerians have Nigerian values. Some of them line up with the world. Some don't. If they don't line up with the world, they are lies from the devil. And so we need to be careful in, you know, saying, you know, in, in things like that. Everything must be screened with the word of God. So like I repeat again, Satan's target was her mind, 
Satan's weapon was lies. Satan's purpose was to make her ignorant of God's word. What is the defense that we have against Satan? I'd like to suggest to you that it is the infallible word of God. Now, part of the reason why this message came to me, I realized that my daughter is going to university. And in you know, university, they say all kinds of things you know, that are interesting. Some of them are not really scientific, but you know, they make them sound like science. And I thought, we need to go back to the world so that you know, we ramp it up. So what defense do we have against this weapon of the enemy? I'd like to suggest to you, it is the infallible word of God. Luke chapter 4. Let's read. Luke chapter 4. Matt, you have it. Here we have a second encounter with Satan. And this time by the Lord Jesus Christ. Even before I read this passage, let's just read first and then I will comment. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when he had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered what? It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory. For it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacles of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, (laughs) the devil is quoting scriptures, he will command his angels concerning you to guide you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, or it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished, every temptation he left him until an opportune time. Now, I'd like to suggest to you that the weapon that we have against the lies is the word of God. And you will agree with me that that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of knowledge. Colossians tells us in him dwells all the fullness of God said bodily. And all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge dwells in him. But when he encountered the devil, what did he do? He quoted scriptures. It is written It is written. It is written. The defense that we have against lies is the word of God. 
And my question to you would be, do you know the Bible, the word of God? How much time do you devote to studying the word of God to know what is written? And when Jesus was quoting the scriptures, some would say, well, let's limit ourselves to the New Testament. Actually, all the things he quoted were from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Exodus, and Deuteronomy, the entire scriptures. It is written, it is written, it is written. And the devil left him for a season. Friends, that was a great temptation, I have to tell you. Because the devil was saying, a couple of weeks ago, I heard God say, you are the son of God. Prove it. And the Lord responded with the scriptures. You see, the weapon that we have against the lies of Satan is the word of God. Paul writing to the people of Rome. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. It says, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you need the word. You need the scriptures. You need to study God's word and know it and be soaked in it. That's the challenge I'm giving you. In the modern day, it's so easy. Just put those boom, boom thing in the ears and then go faith comment by hearing on the, on the, on the internet. And then, they, you know, just click on the verses and, you know, while you are going, they'll be telling you it is written. In the beginning, God, and it will soak in. At some point, you'll be sleeping and the word will be coming out. And then you are saturated with the word of God so that whenever there is an encounter, you can bring out the sword of the spirit. So for us to overcome the lies of Satan, we need the word of God. Now let me go to the second person because my time is gone and I want to deal with four people. So let's remember, the target was her mind, the weapon was lies, the intention was to make her ignorant of the word of God, and the defense that we have against that lies of Satan is the infallible word of God. He came as a friend, not as an enemy. And often Satan will come that way. Now let's go to Job chapter 1. Point number 2. Job chapter 1. I don't think I'll be able to read all of it or most of it. But I can start with this story and then hopefully we can read some of it. He said there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And the man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possession were 700 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 females, donkey, and very many servants. And the man was the greatest of all the men of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house. And each day, and each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job was sent, would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning 
an offering, bond offering, according to the numbers of them all. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. The, thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along. Let's continue. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from the evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not hedged about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. I'd like to stop there. Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now, if we continue, we see what Satan did. Job. Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Serbians attacked and took them. They also slew the servant with the edge of the sword. And I alone am escaped to tell you. Some other calamity befell him, and then read the last line, and I alone am escaped to tell you. Keep going. While he was still speaking, the children's, and then the bottom, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And then we keep going. Essentially, calamities befell Job. Now, I have looked through scriptures. And what I see is that if we go to the next chapter, so all of these things were taken away from Job, and Job fell down and says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says he did not uh, fall short, but he worshiped God and did not curse God or do anything evil. And in chapter 2, which we don't have time to read, Satan showed up again. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said, yeah, well, we took away all this stuff. We didn't touch him. That's why he's still standing. And God said, okay, touch him, but don't kill him. So his body was touched, and he was afflicted. Right? Now, looking through Scripture... I discovered that the pronoun is not used when we are talking about Satan in these verses. The name is mentioned conspicuously at least nine times. In fact, it's the most concentrated 
uh, or the most, um, in terms of scripture, that's where the name Satan is mentioned the most, in a single setting, in a small setting. So Job's real estate, his stock market values, all the things that he owned, they crashed in one day and suffering setting for his body and in terms of his possessions. So, I'd like to suggest to you that whatever befell Job on that day was carried out by Satan. That's what he says. Although Job said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, the Lord didn't take away. The Lord allowed Satan to take away. Satan took away the things that the Lord gave him. But Job continued to worship God. Now, what was the target? Because in terms of his suffering, in terms of his uh, problems or ills, the target, I like to suggest, was his possessions and his body. He was afflicted. He was touched in such a way that it was difficult for him. In fact, his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he said, shut up, foolish woman. You know, and all of that. And so Job suffered and suffered in pains. And this was the work of Satan. That's what the scripture says. So the target was his possessions and his body. The instrument was suffering. That's what it was in terms of suffering. And... Um, the purpose was to make him curse God. Because Satan stated what the purpose. He said, he's only fearing you because you are prospering him. Let things turn around and he will stop fearing you. That's what he said. To make him curse God or to make him impatient with God. In the book of James chapter 5, in the New Testament, Job is mentioned only once. Only once, and that's James chapter 5. And it's mentioned for one attribute only. For you know the patience of Job. For his patience. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of struggles, he clung unto God and did not leave God. He clung unto God and did not leave God. I'd like to suggest to you that not all sufferings are because you've done something wrong. Sometimes the evil one is still operating. And so we must not be ignorant. So Job went through the suffering for a while and went through the pain. But have you ever thought about the end story concerning Job? What was his end? And how did he get out of his suffering? I'd like to read with you, if you don't mind. Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. Do we have that? Oh, yeah. Job chapter 42. 
the Lord restored. So, chapter 1 and 2 tells us is the prelude to his suffering. Starting from chapter 2 to chapter 42, we have his friends showing up and he's in pain all of those times. He's probably whining and complaining and, you know, it's, you know, this is difficult. But read verse 10 of chapter 42. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Then he goes on to list. And I don't have time to read the list because I'm looking at my time. So what is our defense against suffering or things like this when they show up? I don't have time. I would have at least like to adjust to let you know there are two kinds of suffering. Not all suffering is because you've done something wrong. There are two kinds. Some is correcting, some is perfecting. But I don't have time to, you know, to expand on that. You can ask me you know, when I'm stepping down to expand on that. The time doesn't exist. But what was the defense? I'd like to suggest to you that it has to do with crying out to God and praying so that you might receive at least one of two things. Restoration or the impacted grace of God to go through the suffering. In 2 Corinthians, we meet a man called Paul. And he tells us about something that happened to him because you know, he had been highly exposed to the things of God. He says, was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And he qualifies it. He says what? A messenger of who? Satan. And Paul said, for these things I besought the Lord. How many times? Once. I see, I get the picture. Paul is going to God and kneeling down and saying, God, this thorn is hindering the work your work and I need you to take it away. Nothing happens. So he goes back to God and prays again. Say, God, I probably say, I'm your minister. I need to be able to read the efficient believers. The strength is not there. Please take it away. Nothing happens. And I picture him going back again and saying, God, take it away. And God said, you know, you need this to keep you Humble. Say, lest I be exalted. Above measure was given to me. And then God added something. He said, What? My grace is sufficient for you. So there was an element of grace. Even though the thorn did not disappear, the grace was given for him to continue. So the defense that we have against suffering in all its form is that we go to God, we talk to God about it. Is it that taken away, as in the case of Job? Or grace is given, and we continue in the journey. Grace is given, and we continue in the journey. So, wrapping up. We talk about Eve. Satan came as a friend 
He came as a friend. He targeted her mind. He used lies to target her mind. He wanted her to be ignorant of the will of God. But the defense is the word of God. The word of God is the defense that we have against the lies of Satan. We come to Job. Again, a good man. Serving God. He had no clue what was going on. Satan targeted him, his body or his possessions, if you like. And the instrument he used was suffering. In terms of suffering, um, the purpose was to make him curse God or move away from God. The defense, prayer, crying to God, making the needs known with one of two outcomes, relief or abundant grace to continue the journey. Now, so we've dealt with two. There is still more because we are dealing with the mind and the body. We also have a will and emotions. And none of those things is immune from the attack of Satan. But the believer needs to understand that there is victory because we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we pray you give us the grace to be students of your word, to saturate our mind with your word so that we might be able to, uh, uh, to counter the influence of the enemy. We thank you because your word is truth. Help us to study it, practice it. Help us not to be ignorant of the fact that Satan is real and his activities are real. Grant us victory daily in our walk. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.